0: Hey guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. If you didn't know this about me, I am a bit of a control freak. I like things, I like my things a certain way. I like to know how things are gonna go. I like my plans to be like right on point. I like my plans to go how I expect them to. I like, I'm constantly adjusting my life for maximum productivity. And uh, here's a little bit of TMI. I keep my toothpaste and my toothbrush in the shower for maximum productivity. I have my underwear drawer in the bathroom sink. Like maximum productivity. Here's my favorite one of all, high quality toilet paper in my office, in my car. Derek, would you open that locker back there and show them what's in the top drawer? This is a true story. This is not a plant, high quality toilet paper, ultra strong, everywhere that I might have to use it. I did not mean for all of my examples to be so bathroom based. But th- apparently that's where like I want the most productivity in my life. Um, now this is nice. like there are some things about this. Being like the most productive version of myself can be nice, but it's also like exhausting for me at times and also exhausting for the people in my life and especially exhausting for the woman that lives with me. So um, here's a little story. Last weekend, uh, I had a plan. It was a perfect plan. It had everything I wanted in it. I got to do everything I needed to do and it was perfect. Um, It started by me sleeping in and then watching TikToks in bed. Amen. And then uh, I was to take a shower while Sam made me lunch. And then we were going to meet Dave for a movie. It was all perfect. Now, the problem with my plan sometimes is that I forget that there are other people in the world. And they have their own needs and desires and plans. And so um, when my plan intersected with Sam's life, that's where the problem began. Sam got up a little bit later than me. She wanted to get a shower as well. Making lunch took longer than she thought it would. And before you know it, we're late for this movie. Now, an important thing to note is that there's like 20 minutes of previews at a movie like this. So even though we were running like 10 minutes late, there was a very low risk that we would miss even a second of this movie. Um, There weren't really any consequences, but I had a plan. And my plan was not happening perfectly. And for some reason, it just frustrated me so much, just out of nowhere, even though we had time to stand in line and get, you know, like our cherry Coke and popcorn and still did not miss one second of the movie. It practically ruined my whole day. It ruined half of my day for sure. Um, I was a very cranky boy at that time. Because I didn't get my plan. I think we've all experienced this: a a day that we didn't think would go as we thought, or didn't go the way we thought it would, or a a result of some situation that didn't quite pan out how we thought, or a plan that went awry. Uh, But the thing about most of my plans is that the stakes are not very high, right? I might have missed ten seconds. I I missed ten minutes of previews. That's really what happened. Um, That was the the worst thing that could happen in that day. If my toothpaste is, you know, on the sink then the bathroom gets a little wet and we're all okay. Um, But as people that that we are committed to following Jesus, if you are and have made that decision, we are submitting to God's plan for our lives. See how I did that there? And the way that God tells us to live our lives and, and explains to us the best way to live our lives. So the consequences can be way, way bigger for when it comes to God's plan we're disrupting God's plan. When we take a path away from God, we call that sin. And we believe that our sin separates us from God. It divides us from God. And God has laid out this way for us to live, uh, to live a blessed life. And when we follow his path, that's what happens. We live a blessed life. That's his plan. When we go another route, it gets messy. We get frustrated. Things get messed up. We're in this series. It's called content warning. And in this series, we are talking about um, some of the the difficult things in life, the types of things that I have to warn your parents about that we're talking about, um, the sensitive, delicate topics that you might not want to talk to adults about. We're talking about sex and romance and everything attached to that. I want you to know that um, the last week of this series will be a q and a question and response time. So Malachi is going to pass around a plate here. I want everyone, whether you have a question or not, to take a piece of paper and a pen and at any point throughout the, the message or small groups, write down a question and then give it to your small group leader at the end. They're not going to look at it they, and then I'll get it and I won't have a clue who gave it to me. And then we're going to address as many of these questions as we can in the last the last part of the series. Um, my clicker's not working, so if somebody could help me out with my uh, slides there. So um, we're in this series. It's called Content Warning. And uh, the snow can delay us, but it cannot derail us. So if you missed last week, two weeks ago, uh, we, we talked about romance and dating. Very, very exciting. And if you missed it, you can check it out on the Apex Students podcast. Um, but the one thing that summed it all up, the thing that summed up our whole conversation was don't let anything including romance, distract you from Jesus. Tonight, we're gonna get a little more personal, a little more directly addressing sexual stuff. We're gonna talk about sexual integrity, sexual integrity. And we talked a little bit last week about how the stakes of the heart are very high. Proverbs 4, 23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The whole course of your life is determined by where your heart is leading you. Matters of the heart can determine everything about the direction you're going. So take this stuff seriously. And specifically, take God's plan for sexual integrity seriously. Now, I am not here to scare you about sex. You have weird slideshows in health class for that. I'm not gonna do that. I'm here to tell you that God created sex, God loves sex, it's a part of his plan. God has a plan for your sexual expression. And when we don't live according to that plan, it gets messy and painful. Romans 6 23 says the wages of sin is death. The price for choosing a different path, a path away from God is death. It's a simple reminder that when we choose a path outside of God's, we are, we are directing our life toward pain and death. And that's the bottom line for our conversation tonight. Uh, And this goes for sexual integrity. It goes for finances. It goes for relationships. Everything that God has a plan for, which is everything, there is always pain outside God's plan. There is always pain outside God's plan. I've thrown this this term around a little bit already. So let's talk about sexual integrity. What is that? Um, I want you to have a definition before we go any further. And it might be best to define integrity first. Um, I heard lots of different definitions for integrity, but my favorite is doing the right thing even when the wrong thing is easier. Integrity is doing the right thing, even when the wrong thing is easier. We can all kind of imagine that and picture what that's like. We've all experienced that and been faced with that decision. Am I going to do the right thing or the wrong thing at this moment, which is actually a little bit easier. So sexual integrity is doing that, doing the right thing, even when the wrong thing is easier in your sexual expression. That's what sexual integrity is about. We're going to spend some time talking about what the right thing is in this context but having sexual integrity is about following God's plan for sexuality, making the right choices in your sexuality, even when the wrong choices are easier. Even when the heat of the moment is taking you a different direction, doing the right thing, even when the wrong thing is easier. So let's go back. We've been talking about this guy named Paul. He's writing letters to uh, a church in Corinth and the city of Corinth has a problem. Um, they have problems with sexual integrity they have now made a decision, this church has made a decision to follow Jesus. And they're trying to um, conform this new decision to following Jesus with their old lives, with their old lives of sexual immorality, of you know the opposite of integrity, with their sexual sin. They're trying to have both of these things at the same time. They want to follow Jesus and have sexual sin. And Paul's letters that he was writing to this church are answering questions and giving them insight into it can't do that. You're, you're new now. When you follow Jesus, you have to leave the things that are outside of his plan behind. And so he guides them and he helps them, helps them see how they're doing it wrong and instructs them how to do it right. And this verse is where we're going to spend, it's going to mold our whole conversation tonight. And it's in 1 Corinthians 7.2. It says this, but because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. This is one little sentence with a lot of depth. So let's take it apart a little bit. First, he references the problem. Sexual immorality is the problem in this community and in this church. It's everywhere. Uh, Immorality is just the opposite of integrity, right? So people are making the wrong choices, making their own plans for their sexual expression. And Paul knows that part of the problem is they don't necessarily know what the right way is. They don't know what God's plan for their sexual expression is. And the wrong way is easier. So that's where they're spending a lot of their time. So he gives them direction and teaches them what sexual integrity is. He gives them godly parameters. He says, you guys are messing this up. The sex thing is getting complicated for you. So here's how you fix it. He'll, we're going to talk about this in, probably in a couple of weeks, but there's two ways you can fix it. Actually, one is singleness, underrated. Number two, I'm married and it's awesome, but singleness is underrated. Um, but the second one is biblical marriage. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Biblical marriage is the place where sexual expression is appropriate. God's plan for your sexual expression is within the confines of biblical marriage only. There's like, you know, some really direct language that he uses there, right? Each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. This is direct. It's small. He's confining sexual expression to biblical marriage. He's given them those perimeters When you make your own plan, your own parameters, you want to take your sexual expression wherever you want it to, it will always lead to death and pain. That's what sexual immorality is, lacking sexual integrity. You are outside of God's plan and there is always pain outside of God's plan. So we're going to use this verse to talk about biblical marriage. Paul says sex should be confined to biblical marriage, this specific set of circumstances, that sexual expression outside of biblical marriage Marriage is sexual immorality. Outside of God's plan, always will lead to death and pain. So we're going to talk about how Paul would define biblical marriage, how we should define biblical marriage with three words to define biblical marriage. First of all, it's lifelong. Lifelong. That's kind of how Paul would describe biblical marriage. It's got to be lifelong. Marriage should be a lifelong commitment. Paul says to each person should have their own one partner which means that when we get married, we should consider that a lifelong commitment and sex should be confined to that lifelong commitment. Allow me to put the first caveat here. That is not what a lot of marriage around you looks like. And I understand that. A lot of you have parents that aren't together. A lot of you have at least experienced, been touched by some people in the room may have experienced that. It's not God's ideal. And you know that it causes pain and death and messiness. This is God's ideal. And what I want to set you up for is the ideal. Some of you may go through this, may go through uh, an immorality outside of God's plan. I don't want that for you. So I'm preparing you with God's idea of biblical marriage to support this idea that that biblical marriage is lifelong. Matthew uh, 19, five through six, this is Jesus talking. And some of the religious leaders were asking Jesus, is divorce okay? Because there were like, there was some paperwork if you can believe it. They're like, you know, a couple thousands of years ago, they had some paperwork for how divorce would work. And the religious leaders are like, hey, we know about these certificates, but you're saying divorce isn't okay at all. But why do we have this paperwork if it's not okay? Jesus, is divorce okay? And he says, forget the paperwork, forget the technicalities. Marriage is a lifelong commitment. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. You may have heard that verse in a wedding. When we get married, as Christ followers, this is our idea. This is our goal. We are making a lifelong commitment in the eyes of God. This picture of two people becoming one person, it's a sexual picture in many ways. It's not the whole picture. Sex is not the whole idea of two becoming one, but it's a major part. Physical intimacy is a part of two people becoming one. It it connects you with a person. And that's why marriage is a lifelong commitment. Now, I should also say another caveat. The Bible gives us some exceptions to this rule. It lays out uh, adultery, abandonment, and abuse as reasons for divorce. So we are supposed to learn that marriage is meant to be forever. But if you end up in a situation that you did not expect, uh, where a partner is unfaithful or, or took off without you or is abusive to you or your children... These are exceptions to that biblical rule. And they're not really exceptions because that partner has broken the covenant of marriage. They have broken that covenant. And so you have the right for divorce in those situations. God would not expect you to endure that. He would not expect you to endure abuse or that shame or that, that embarrassment of being left like that. He does not expect that. He that, You know, they brought that marriage to an end. And this is an important caveat because people have been confused about this. People have been, they've stayed in abusive relationships because Christ followers aren't supposed to get divorced. So I want you to know about these exceptions, but I want you to know that they are that they are exceptions to the rule. Lots of people get divorced for those reasons, abuse, abandonment, and adultery. But a lot of people get divorced because they're like kind of tired of each other (laughs) because they're like, Till death do us part is a long time. That's a lot of cases. They call it irreconcilable differences in the divorce paperwork. A lot of people get divorced because of that. You can't figure out how to stop arguing with this person because because my partner is so selfish. That's why we're getting a divorce. Um, Also, if that's your perspective, there's probably some selfishness in you just so you know. There's probably a selfishness in them as well, but you need to have boundaries. You need to know these exceptions. Uh, Respect yourself, understand those exceptions, but you also need to know how to follow Jesus and you need to pick a partner who knows how to follow Jesus. When you're doing that, those exceptions aren't gonna be on your radar. Biblical marriage is a lifelong commitment. Biblical marriage is lifelong, and it's also exclusive. It's a lifelong commitment to one person and one person only. Biblical marriage is about one man and one woman, and it's hard to get more clear than that. Um, No one else is welcome in the marriage bed, in that sexual expression. Uh, An open marriage is not a biblical marriage. I barely believed that that was a thing, open marriage, (laughs) until I became an adult and started having some adult friends, and I was like, Okay, that's a real thing that couples agree on. An open marriage is not an adult marriage. Uh, it's not a biblical marriage. Biblical marriage is exclusive. Um, not only when the partner agrees to an open marriage, but, you know, that's, you know, certainly not a biblical marriage. But when your partner doesn't agree to, to your other relationship, that's called adultery. All over scripture as well. And that goes all the way back to the Ten Commandments. Um, One really cool thing, a cultural idea here that Paul's Paul's given these parameters for biblical marriage, Um, and in the Roman culture at the time that he was, you know, writing these letters, this was not the standard. This was half the standard because wives were held to this standard. For women, marriage was exclusive. Um, You were not allowed to cheat on your husband. However, for men, that wasn't the expectation. You were almost expected, you know, it was certainly acceptable, allowed for you to cheat. But women were held to a different standard at the time. So, Paul uh, goes on to put this expectation on men and women. This is exclusive for everyone in a biblical marriage. It was countercultural, and he was making a hard distinction between Roman culture and Jesus' follower culture. So, if sexual expression is supposed to be exclusive to marriage, that would include before marriage which is where many of you are in your journey in this room. Uh, if you intend to get married someday, you might be thinking about dating. You might be thinking about physical intimacy with your partner. You talked, uh, we talked about some of this last week, right? Where we, we didn't go deep on it, but uh, in the people of God, sexual integrity includes not having sex before marriage. This is consistent all throughout Scripture, um, Old Testament and New Testament. Here's a couple examples for you. Sex before marriage is implied as sexual immorality through some of these Scriptures because Paul teaches us that sex outside of marriage includes before marriage because you're not in that covenant yet. We'll get to, um, when we get to, when we get into These topics, yeah, this is a sweaty up here today. So (laughs) the vibe is off in here today. Um, When we talk about these like sensitive, delicate topics, I choose my words very, very carefully. Um, And I say sexual expression and you'll be like, that's kind of a weird thing to say. But I say that because I don't just mean sex. Um, I trust that you know what I'm talking about. Um, This means any kind of sexual expression is made for marriage. Anything close to sex. I don't think that how far is too far is the right question. If you've written that down, I don't fault you at all. But how far is too far is not a good question to be asking. I wouldn't ask that of my marriage. How far is too far to wander away from my marriage, sexually speaking, right? That's not the right question. We, we say, you know, I can tell you that having sexual integrity means saving the whole experience of sex for the marriage bed, for biblical marriage. Because it's exclusive. And finally, this one's a doozy. Biblical marriage is heterosexual. Um, we are probably gonna talk about this more throughout the series because it's complicated it's complicated in- today. It's complicated in our culture because there's lots of voices around you. Uh, so bear with me. But the Bible seems to talk about this a whole lot. It's addressed back in the Old Testament, we see this, um, where Sexual expression is not for it is for heterosexual relationships in, in the context of marriage. Paul talks about it directly in 1 Corinthians 6 as well, um, very directly. And in this verse that we're talking about tonight, he implies it again, right? That heterosexuality is expected in a biblical marriage. Every man should have one woman. Every woman should have one man. And if they choose marriage, they are choosing a lifelong, exclusive heterosexual relationship. People today are talking a lot about this third word. All the movies you watch, TV shows, YouTube channels, and TikToks, everybody wants to make their position very, very clear. And most of the time, when you see those things, they are supportive and accepting of people in the gay community and homosexuality as good. Those voices are so many and so loud that you really need to know what the Bible says about this. And what I'm not telling you to do is to argue with every person or argue on every comment section that you come across. You need to know what the Bible says, first and foremost, for you. That there are, a, this is the appropriate setting for sexual expression, is in a lifelong, exclusive, heterosexual marriage. There are settings where you can engage in this conversation. We're doing it right now, right? There are times where truth needs to be, truth always needs to be spoken, but there are times where we need to engage in this conversation because the Christian Jesus follower culture is very different than the rest of culture. And there are times where we need to have this conversation. There are also times where we don't. There are times where we need to show people love because especially on this issue, people have been burned. I said, I was going to come back to this and I'm talking about it a lot right now. So let me move on. We're going to come back to this in a couple weeks, but that is, that is what I want you to know. Um, Jesus did not spend a whole, his whole ministry arguing with sinners. In fact, he didn't do that very much at all. He told them truth, but he didn't argue with them a whole lot. He argued with religious leaders, actually Paul too. He did not write these letters to tell sinners about how bad they are. He wrote to the churches to say, this is truth. Live it out. And show people how good it is. Show people what God's plan is like. Show people that when you live a life devoted to God, it's blessed, it's, it's, you're provided for, you're taken care of. That's what Paul was aiming to do with this letter. And that's what we should be doing as well. We're gonna come back to that in a couple weeks. But what I want you to know tonight is that biblical marriage is lifelong, exclusive, and heterosexual. That's the biblical expectation for marriage. Now, we've already touched a little bit on why this stuff is so important. Um, last week, we talked about how romance can really influence your life, guard your heart, because it takes you in a direction. Um, matters of the heart are sensitive. Now that we're talking about sexual integrity, um, sexual, in- sexual expression is where the heart and the body, like, meet. It's where they, they overlap. Physical intimacy connects people in an unexpe- unexplainable way, which is why Sexual expression is meant for a biblical biblical marriage, which is lifelong, exclusive, and heterosexual. Physical intimacy connects people because it ties you to another person forever. Paul told the Corinthian church this in 1 Corinthians 6. I'm sorry, it's kind of small, but I'll read it to you. (laughs) Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body As this one does for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Run from sexual immorality. Sexual sin is a sin against the body. Paul says sexual sin is different than other sins. It just is. It's on a different level. It does something different. It's a sin against the temple of the Holy Spirit. It has high stakes. When you make make your own plan, when you start making your own rules, it gets messy. There is pain and death. There's divorce and abuse and broken trust and children of divorce. There is trauma when you make your own plan. There is always pain outside God's plan. I should say God can heal from that pain. Many people in this room have been healed from the trauma of of sexual immorality in their past, in in the past of their parents and partners, all kinds of, of healing stories. God heals people. He does that. There's always going to be pain outside God's plan. I want to balance that truth with another one. No one is perfect. No one lives their lives perfectly within God's plan. I have not whether it was in a weak moment where we decide to make our own rules or whether we do something we don't realize is against God's plan. Paul wrote to the church in Rome where everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. We all miss God's plan at times. None of us will get this right entirely. And God loved us too much for that to be the end of the story. He if our sin separates us from him, he couldn't let that be the end of the story. He knew that we could not live a perfect life, perfectly according to his plan. So he sent his son, Jesus, who could and did. Jesus lived according to God's plan, completely submitted to God's plan. And it took him to the cross. And Jesus died on the cross, the death of a sinner, even though he did not sin. He died the death of a sinner. He became sin, my sin and your sin. He lived a life according to God's plan because we couldn't. And when he died on the cross, he became the sacrifice for us. You heard there a verse that says we were bought with a high price. It was the life of Jesus that we were bought with. And because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, we, and his resurrection from the dead, we have forgiveness. We can be forgiven for the ways that we've made our own plans. We can be forgiven for the ways that we've fallen short. When we put our faith in him, recognize him as the son of God, make him the Lord of our lives, submit ourselves to his plan. We're forgiven for the ways we've messed up. And you might be in here tonight and you have lived without sexual integrity. You've been physically intimate with someone or a few someones or many someones. And if that's you, I want you to know three things. First, That was not God's plan, and you probably know that because you experienced some of the pain and the complications that come with that. Second, God's plan is better than yours, and you've probably seen that too. You've seen ways in your life that you have followed God's plan, and then things worked out. And the third thing is, it's not too late. It's not too late. You're not too far gone. There's forgiveness in Jesus. You can be forgiven for the ways you've made your own plans. You can just turn to Jesus, follow his plans, ask him for forgiveness, and you're forgiven. There is always pain outside God's plan. And within God's plan, there is hope, and there's grace, and there's forgiveness. Let's talk about how to stay within his plan a little bit. Uh, Because you know this as well as I do, there is a temptation to do it our own way. There's a temptation to satisfy our own broken human desires uh, in a way that's not according to God's plan. And when we do that, it ends in pain and death. So here's a couple ways, a couple ideas to maintain sexual integrity and to resist temptation. First, take off the pressure. Um, Apex staff was talking about this, and these are words from Andrew, actually, that, that I thought were so true and so good that it just put it in a way that I had not really considered. it. Take off the pressure of dating, of sexual expression. It does not need to be this whole thing. Last week, we talked about this with dating. Um, and in that conversation, we talked about status right? And this status idea is at play when it comes to sexuality as well. Your friends might ask you, how far have you gone with a partner? Um, are you still a virgin? You might feel pressure from a partner, um, to do something you're not comfortable with because of your commitment to sexual integrity. And I don't really know how else to say this, but sh- to chill out, like be cool. Like life is long <laughs> and you have time to pick the right partner if you choose to. You have time to engage in a God-honoring relationship where the boundaries are are of a biblical marriage. You can express yourself sexually when you get there. Do not awaken the heart before it's time. We talked about that last week too. Until then, cool it. Chill out. Now, I'm very aware that hormones speak louder than words and uh, chilling out can work in a clear mind when I'm thinking, you're right. I am putting too much pressure on myself. Um, But... We don't always have a clear mind about this stuff. Um, so to help with that side of the coin, date different. Differently, I guess. Uh, but date different sounds a little nicer. <laughs> date different. If you're trying to explore romance with someone, um, you've ma- you've done some things that we talked about last week, right? You've made sure, two weeks ago, you've made sure that they're good enough for you because you rock, you got it going on. You made sure that they're a Jesus follower. They're running af- as fast after Jesus as you are. They've met your list of must haves. They've met your list of deal breakers where they didn't have them. And if you get that far date in a way that will set you up for success in sexual integrity, that means manage your expectations. So that means talk about it. Talk about sex before you get to an intimate moment. Talk with your partner about their expectations, about their goals and priorities. They should be a Jesus follower at this point. So they should be pretty similar. Work that out before you get to a dark room where no one's around. Dating groups, have a double date. Date with, go out with friends. Invite your partner to your family game night. I know that doesn't sound great, and that does sound weird, and I acknowledge that. Uh, your friends might think you're weird for it, <laughs> but you have to have. But if you have different goals and priorities than everyone else, you have to date differently than everyone else, right? If you want a different outcome than everyone else has, which is uh, pain, death, messiness outside of God's plan, you have to do something different. Which might mean you have to adjust your environment. Keep in mind how your environment, how, how the way you have, the way you engage in relationships, the, where you are, the things around you, how all of that impacts you. If you're tempted to uh, sexual expression with a partner, don't be alone. Don't turn off the lights. Don't go upstairs or downstairs wherever like parents aren't. Don't go out of earshot of other people. Make sure your environment has set you up for success. Uh, For some of you, your parents are going to make sure that this happens. Your families are committed to this. Your dad would never dream of letting you bring a boy into your bedroom. Your parents would never let you bring a girl to the downstairs den. And that's very helpful, but that's not the case for everybody here. Some of you, some of your parents don't mind that much. So you have to do it yourself. Whose priorities are they? Whose goals are they? If they're yours, you might have to set those standards. Make sure your environment helps you do what you want. Now, this goes for your phone and your internet use. It goes for how you interact with your partner. It goes for how you interact with people who aren't your partner, if you have a partner or they're someone else's partner. Protect your sexual integrity. Protect other people's sexual integrity as best as you can. Paul said to run from sexual temptation. Flee from sexual sin. That's adjusting your environment when you can adjust your environment and last, but genuinely not least, pray about this. Ask God to help you with your your sexual integrity goals. Ask him to guide you and speak to you. Ask him to give you strength when you're in tough situations. Ask him to give you wisdom to stay out of tough situations. I believe that he answers prayer often not the way I expect or wanted him to, but he doesn't leave us alone to fend for ourselves. He's there for us to count on. Pray about this stuff. And the most important prayer, we're going to come back here, is the one where you tell him, I want to follow your plan. And then you ask for forgiveness, and you make a commitment to following his plan instead of your own plan. His plan is better because there is always pain outside God's plan. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your wisdom and your guidance. Thank you for the ways that you've prepared us to encounter the world in every area of our lives. And tonight, we thank you for your wisdom on sexual integrity. We thank you for the guidelines of biblical marriage and how we know how to do this because of the ways you've instructed us. God, I ask that you would give us strength in tough situations, wisdom to stay out of them, and that you would help each and every one of us develop that sexual integrity for a lifetime, this will be a lifelong struggle, a lifelong maintenance, attention to be managed. This is not a problem that'll go away. This is attention to be managed forever. So God, I ask that you'll be with us as we do that. Help us to, to fall into your plan because we believe your plan is the right plan, is the best plan, and outside of your plan is pain? The wages of sin is death. So help us to stay firmly rooted inside your plan for everything, including sexual integrity. We love you. We dedicate all of this to you and our conversations tonight, it's all dedicated to you. It's about you. It's for you. In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.